You know, I picked that last song because it is, uh, unfortunately, um, it becomes possible to drift, does it not? And um, it's a good reminder uh, of that thing that's always before us that is an issue. And uh, we'll get into this. Anybody have a testimony? You can bring that down just a touch. Yeah, Brother Ray. Well, a few months ago, some of y'all might not have known, I was adopted. I grew up with a sister. And on our parents' side, the family that we had disappeared. A few months ago, my wife convinced me I should send them some wider ancestors. Amen. You know it gets better and better because we're all going to be we're all going to be together eventually. Amen. Amen. Uh, amen for that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Real quick. I'll have to preach. Okay, Brother Allen. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Is it going to be nice? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that song yeah. brings back a lot of memories. But through it, I've learned, I was like, we went through hard times. But God promised so much through that. And even though it was extremely painful, mm-hmm. I never would have learned these things any other way. Mm-hmm. world doesn't get it, do they? They're trying to run for, and uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not inviting problems, don't get me wrong, I'm not, you know, asking for them, but when God leads you through them, yeah, I tell you what, we can come out on the other side and say, boy, it sounds weird, but you'd say, I'd do it all again if I could learn what I learned, right? And, uh, but, amen, amen, thank you for that. Anybody else? Okay. I want to read you a te- I want to read you a uh, not a text. Everything's a text anymore, not a text. Um, a quote. A quote. Our daughter and son-in-law just got a, a landline phone again, and they've been teaching their kids how to use a landline phone. So we've been getting all sorts of calls, you know, uh, announcing their name and who they are and where they're calling from, and it's really kind of hilarious. And it made me think about texting and. How, how quickly we just go to that thought of texting. We don't always have to text or voicemail or anything else. I actually have a written quote is what I'm talking about here. I want you to listen to this. 
Some of you may know this. The test by which all conduct must finally be judged is motive. Motive. As water cannot rise higher than its source, so the moral quality in an act can never be higher than the motive that inspires it. For this reason, no act that arises from an evil motive can be good, even though some good may appear to come out of it. A.W. Tozer said that. Uh, Some truth in there. An interesting way he put that. You know, I'm always concerned, sometimes it might not seem like it to even my own self, but I always come back to a concern for the sincerity of my own heart. And I, I probably, I would believe here tonight, most of you are in that same condition. You're really concerned about the sincerity of your heart. And I know all too well how easy it is to stray from God. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Isn't that true at times? And every so often, I believe it's good to kind of check our motives, amen? And see why we do what we do. And it brings me tonight, I'm not in the Sermon on the Mount, as you can tell. I was uh, working on this afternoon, and I, I just, I changed. I'm sorry, I changed, and I switched to this. And uh, Lord willing, we'll get through this tonight. And uh, I want to spend a, some time here in John chapter 6, where Brother Jim read our text. But before we get to John chapter 6... I want to start out in Mark chapter 5. We'll just look at a couple things over Mark chapter 5. But if you remember, and we all know this well, especially a Wednesday night crowd, we're Sunday night crowd, one of these night crowds, we're well aware of some of these things. But we knew this, you know this, Jesus drew very big crowds, did he not? He fed 5,000, the Bible says, men alone, besides women and children. At another time, he says he fed 4,000. We know that he turned the water into wine, and we're not going to deal with that tonight. And we know that he healed the sick. And in Mark chapter 5, here in verse 22, it says here, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. And people turned to the Lord Jesus Christ for physical healing. He made the blind to see. He made the crippled to walk. Good grief. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And they were all there that saw it. And it was noised abroad so bad that the Pharisees thought, we need to kill not only Jesus, but now we need to kill Lazarus too. Because they're going to follow this guy. So he, had, he, he drew big crowds, didn't he, because of his miracles. He drew big crowds and they followed him. They, he would set up on hillsides so all of the crowd could hear him and see him. He, uh, at times he would put himself in a boat and push out a little bit into the water so the throngs could listen to him and, and see him where they war, were and, and could hear him. He would come, come into towns and throngs and throngs and crowds of people would follow him. Look at verse 24 again and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him 
And the crowd was so big, but then when this woman came with the issue of blood, she came and touched the hem of his garment, and he didn't know who it was, but he only knew that virtue had gone out of him and had healed that woman. But he was such a a large crowd. They followed him. They followed him because of the miracles. And these crowds actually became exhausting to him after a while. It became exhausting to the disciples. And over in Mark chapter 6, you can look over just a little way here and look at verse 13. 31, and Jesus said unto them, come ye, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. It was an exhausting time. And what am I saying here this, tonight is that Jesus grew, drew massive crowds wherever he went. Benny Hinn and Joel Osteen have nothing on Jesus Christ, all right? They, they can, that sounds good. Benny and Joel, does that sound familiar? What is that? Rings a bell to me. I don't know what that is. But the heat watch, he had crowds, don't get me sidetracked, I got myself sidetracked. He had all these crowds that followed him around. But we come to find out here that they followed him for the wrong reason. They followed him for the wrong reason. They followed him for the miracles. They followed him for the healings. They followed him for the food that he was uh, given to them. If you uh, make your way over to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, look at verse 23 if you would please. John 22 and verse 23, the Bible says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed on his, in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. He, they, they followed him. For the healings. If you turn over to John chapter 6 and verse, or the miracles, you turn over John chapter 6 and verse 2. Look at this, the healings we see here. Verse 1, and these things, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, uh, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, which were diseased. They followed him for miracles. They followed him for the miracle of healings. Look at verse 26. Jesus, in the same chapter here, I'm sorry, John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. They followed him for food. Listen, Jesus, I mean, no, no, uh, I don't mean uh, anything uh, untoward by this, but Jesus was like this blessing machine. I mean, he just blessed and worked miracles and healings and food. He was, an, he was like to them, he was like an ATM machine. He was like a free healing at the doctor's office. Could you imagine going to the doctor with a disease and you get one voucher for one free, one free cure, you know, a year? That would be nice, huh? Well, Jesus was just this, he just cured and he healed those that came to him. He was like this cool sideshow that people followed. He was an EBT card where the food just never ran out and they always had something. The crowds, the crowds were following him and thronging him, but they were following him for the wrong reason. You see the crowds following uh, Benny and Joel, uh, you know, they followed for the same reason as well. They were following for them. They're following for the miracles. They're following for the stuff. 
They're following for the, for the, for the uh, finances and for the money and for the healings and all this stuff. Here's the big difference, though. Uh, oh, Benny and Joel don't care. They don't care. They don't care. They just want the money, right? No, Jesus cared for these people's soul. Amen. He did. But he knew what was in them. He knew why they were following him. And eventually the masses dwindled to just a handful. Jesus began to whittle down the crowd here in John chapter 6. We're going to be here for a while. And if you would look at verse 47. He said, Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Well, that's pretty, that's easy, that's good. I am the bread of life. All right, amen. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. Okay, we're getting this. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Okay, now we're getting a little weird. This is what they're thinking. They don't understand. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Whoa. Sounding kind of odd, isn't it? He's dwindling down the crowd. Look at verse 57. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. And he that is bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And of course we understand what he's talking about. When we are in Christ, Christ is in us. Amen. Right? We eat bread, bread comes into our body, we're in the bread, then after we eat the bread, the bread is in us. And it, it, it goes to the stomach, and the stomach uh, uh, disseminates it throughout the entire body where it needs to go. This is the picture that Jesus was drawing. In verse 59, these things said he in the synagogue as he taught it in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This, <laughs> this is a hard saying. This is a tough one. Who can understand this? Look at this, what he says. Who can hear it? Who can comprehend this? I believe there's a little bit like God dwindled down to Gideon down to about 300 men. Here he is dwindling down his church. He was separating, I think, some of the wheat from the tares maybe. But watch, those who couldn't take truth walked away. Would you look at verse 61? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. All right? He's making a spiritual application here. He's trying to clarify this. But there are some of you, verse 64, that believe not. He's calling them out. You don't believe. 
You see this? Look at verse 64. Jesus knew, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given of him of my father. Now look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Do you notice this here? Many, many walked away. Many walked away. Do you notice what separated them? Do you notice what was the, the driving force, the, that wedge that caused them to separate and to walk away? It was but doctrine. Amen. Doctrine divides. Yep. See, the free stuff was running out. Right? The free things, all the food and the healings and the miracles, things they were following out. And following Jesus himself and just following Jesus Christ became too difficult. They thought, I'm out. This is getting creepy. I'm out of here. Yeah. And so here Jesus asks a question. <clears throat> Notice this, if you would, from any of them. His disciples went back to walk no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you will ye also go away? Are you gonna are you gonna go as well? <laughs> and we love the answer of Peter. This is probably one of the most brilliant things he said. <laughs> he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Right? Amen. For thou hast the words of life. Amen. It, yeah, we're not, we, there's nowhere else. He goes on. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a statement he makes. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now, where are we going to go? Where are you going to go? Do the word, does the world have the words of eternal life? Does any other religious system out here claim to take away sin without you working for it? Yeah. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? See, unfortunately, history has proven that many have followed Jesus for a time and then they walked away. And if you would uh, turn your attention here to Matthew chapter 13... Let's turn back there, if, if, if you can, Matthew chapter 13 in the parable of the sower and the seed. Look at verse 18. Jesus spake this parable. He said, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth the way that which was sown in his heart. Uh, this is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. So we see there's three reasons why people walk away. A lack of understanding. No, they hear the word of God, they just don't understand it. Maybe tribulation or persecution, Jesus says. 
It gets heavy upon them, and they said, I'm out. I knew of a man who got saved. Um, uh, it was, he was up in New England, actually. He got saved, coming to church, and his wife said, you continue this, and I'm gone. She meant it, and he, and he was never back in church again. Some walk away because of tribulation or persecution. Sometimes it's just the cares of this world, listen to me, and the deceitfulness of riches. And many walk away. Some may split this parable up a little differently. I've always had the contention that these three weren't saved. You might have a different view on that. and Parse it a little, a little finer than that. But here's the point is they walked away. They had truth and they walked away. But can I tell you tonight, many people walk away who are saved. Not walk away from, we can't lose our salvation, amen? We're in Christ Jesus, right? We're secure in Him. If we, were to, if we were to lose our salvation, Jesus would fall out of favor with the Father because he is, he is to preserve us and to present us faultless before the throne. And we know that's not happening. He's not falling out of favor with His Father. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed into the day of redemption, amen? That's a good thing. A lot of people struggle with that and don't believe that. You know that. A lot of people out there, they're going through life in a miserable sort of life trying to make sure they keep that salvation if they have it in the first place. Yeah. But there's saved people who walk away. Remember in Colossians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says that Demas greets you. He was part of the party that greeted them that, that, to, the, to the church at Colossians. And we find over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. What happened? He walked away. See, I know that there are the unsaved who come under the sound of the gospel, and it may look like there's some fruit there, something there, and they just wither up and dry off and walk away. But I'm not talking about them. Tonight I'm interested in those who are saved, who are in Christ, and have slowly walked away. Let me use this word, drifted. Drifted. What causes God's children to drift? I came up with three things, you know, I like to always say, there, I'm sure this list is a lot, could be a lot longer than this, but I came up with three things. I think some of the three things that cause people to drift, number one is when following is hard. When following is hard. Number two, people drift when following, and they drift in following Jesus when times are bad. Hard and bad are two different things here, I'll show you. And people tend to drift when times are good. Hmm. When following is hard. You know, 2 Corinthians, you know, do, do you realize, I think you realize in this room, we're not like, we, the, our stripe is a little different from a lot of other people out there. Yeah. Can I tell you, our life isn't an easy life to live. If you, if you want to live righteously in Christ Jesus, it's not an easy thing to do. Especially in this, okay, 50 years ago, it was easier. 75 years ago, it was a lot easier. Some of you ladies try to go out and find clothes that are appropriate. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's difficult. It's, it's hard. Yeah. 
2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. What did he say? I'll receive you. No, that's, that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? That's a hard life. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed what? by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's a hard life. That's not easy, is it? Living in this culture. In 1 John 2, 15, we're told, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the love, for the things that, uh, uh, for if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, sometimes when Jesus brings us to a point in our life and he's drawing us closer to himself and he's drawing us to a more a separated life, a more uh, a, a holy life, it's hard. It's hard. And you know what happens many times? People will drift away, walk away from that. Say, that's too hard. I can't live that way. It's too much to do. And if they're not careful, they begin to drift away. It's not easy. But also when times are bad, Remember, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and here they came. The soldiers came. Judas had brought him in. Soldiers came and found him. They picked him out of the crowd, and, and uh, Jesus had told Peter already, before the cock crow, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter kept arguing and debating, said, no, I won't. No, I won't. I'll never do it. And when that cock crowed that next morning, he had denied him three times. On the way to Calvary, on the way to the cross, the Bible says that all of the disciples fled except John was there. Peter followed, they followed afar off, the Bible says. What happened? It got hard. It got difficult. The times were bad. They're thinking about their own neck. They're thinking about their own life. They're thinking about their own survival. And you know what happens? This, this instinct came over them. They said, we're out of here, man. <laughs> When times are hard, you can drift away. But also when times are good. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, look at verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. Now, he didn't heal them right then. I love this. He made them, their, their, uh, their, their, their faith was going to have feet. And it came to pass that as they went, I love that, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he, and, and he was a Samaritan. Boy, what a dig. 
to the Jews this is, the Samaritan glorifying God. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. How often, how often, how often do good times and healthy bank accounts cause us to stray and walk away from God? Those nine, they had got what they wanted. Life was good now. I mean, we cannot understand the, the death sentence of leprosy uh, as the slow sentence of death that they lived in to be all of a sudden completely wholly clean. And nine of them just trot on their way like he never existed. I love the proverb of Agur in Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. He said, Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with food convenient unto me, lest I be full and deny thee. And say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. What did did Agur want? He didn't want a lot and he didn't want a little. He didn't, want to be, he didn't want to have a lot because that would cause him to drift away. But he didn't want to have a little to cause him to drift away either. He didn't want the bad times. He didn't want the good times. He was concerned. He was concerned about his relationship with God. See, when following is hard, when following is bad, times are bad, when following in times that are good, it's possible for God's people to walk away and to drift away. So what's the real reason why people drift and walk away from God? What's the real reason? I kind of mentioned it this morning, actually. They don't fully want Him. Philippians 2.10 One of my favorite verses, uh, my verse for the year, that I might know him, Paul says, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and and, and become uh, conformable unto his death. Paul said, I just want to know Jesus Christ. Not the miracles, not this, not that, not the good times, not the bad times. Let me, he said, I've known how to, how to, be, how to have much and I've known how to be abased. I've known how to have plenty. I've known how to have nothing. And at the end of it all, he says, I just want Jesus Christ. I want him. In Philippians 3.8, he says, yea, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. That's all he wanted was Jesus Christ alone. He wanted him alone. Let me ask you, why do you follow Jesus? To us here tonight, I've, listen, I've asked myself this, so now I can get all gripey and ask you, okay? Now, why do you follow Jesus? Yeah. I'm not fussing. You're here on a Sunday night. I'm not fussing. But if we're going to watch, if we're going to be serious with God, every once in a while we have to look at we have to look at our uh, motives. I wrote this down this afternoon. 
you'll know why you follow Jesus by what it is that causes you to walk away. Think about that for a little while. You will know, if you're trying to figure out why you're drifting, you will know why you follow Jesus by what it is that causes you to walk away. Is everything well until the finances go away? Is everything well until the poverty, you know, the poverty goes away? You know, some people, boy, they, 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 are, they are begging at the throne of God. They need finances. They need this. They need that. They need this. And God shows up in a mighty way and they just slowly drift away. Maybe they've prayed and they've begged God for health and God heals. God does a mighty work in their body and they just slowly drift away. Friend, is it not possible for all of us to do this? I'm not, like I said, I'm not fussing at you tonight, right? I just want us to be serious before God. You ever hear people pray, Lord, give us a good day today. And then when bad days come, you drift away. You know, many have drifted away, haven't they? Many have drifted away. Many have left following. I'm talking about believers. They're in Christ Jesus. And they've left following. And even from this very, very church. It's happened in the past. It'll happen in the future. <laughs> right? Yeah. It just makes me want to ask the question that Jesus asked to you tonight. I've asked it to me. Will you, will, you, will you go away also? You say, I, I would never do that. Careful. Peter thought that too. Yeah. Are, you following, are, you, are you following God out of a full heart? Why? Why are we following? You know, there's plenty of churches out there that are superficial. There's plenty of churches out there. Listen, they've got the music just right. They've got this just right. They've got that just right. They've got the. Can I, can I tell you something in all honesty? I, I'm all for everything being right, but I'd rather have none of that in a church with people that love God than have all of that in people that are so far from God. I'm telling you that they're the most immature sounding people on the planet and they have no, no heart or desire or, or, or appetite for the things of God. No, they can have it. They can have it. Absolutely. Will you go away also? Let me ask you this. If you've seen that you have drifted, maybe the Holy Spirit even now is just saying, eh, you might want to listen up to this. If you've seen that you've drifted away, you know, assembling's not a priority. Bible reading isn't a joy. Prayer life is non-existent. Christians irritate you. You ever heard that? People say, oh, I just Christians irritate. I've heard Christians say that Christians are irritating. That's weird. I mean, I know people are irritating, but to classify Christians, that's odd. Would you ask God tonight just to show you maybe where you got off track? what it was that caused you to stray, then would you ask him tonight maybe just to change your heart? 
Because it's possible, isn't it? I look at my own heart. I don't want to tell you all about it. It'd scare you. But no, I look at my own heart and see the propensity, the propensity for, and how easy it is to drift away. Watch, the machinery of religion is going along just fine. The mechanics are going on. No, no doubt, no wonder that in, in Revelation, Jesus is at the outside of the door of Laodicea, saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I'll come, open the door. I'll come into him, sup with him, and eat with me. Yeah. How easy that is to happen in our life. Why do you follow Jesus? Will you go away also? Is it possible? Maybe you're closer than anybody knows. Maybe you're closer than anybody knows. And you need to beg God tonight to show you what it is that has got you to this place and ask Him to change your heart. Because you know what I know this? I know this. God changes hearts. Because <laughs> He's changed mine umpteen million times when I've asked Him. Yeah. Father, pretty probing question tonight that the Lord Jesus asked his own, his own disciples, will ye go away also? And so, Father, would you help us to search our own hearts tonight? We ask you by the Holy Spirit that your Holy Spirit would search our hearts tonight and reveal to us, even tonight, the condition of our heart, the purpose of why we do what we do, our motives, let me say it that way. Would you show that to us tonight? And Lord, if there's anything there that you have will reveal, I just pray that you'd help also now, help your people to get with you and, and take care of it before they get too far away. So I thank you for what you're going to do tonight, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The instrument's going to play. Maybe you could raise your hand and tell me tonight, this could be you. You could say this. And, and I know we, in some ways we could all say this, but I know there's a time when I was closer to God than I am tonight. I know there was. Anybody like that? You can say, I know, I know there was. Yeah. Could you just get alone with the Lord tonight and just confess and ask Him to search? and What He shows you, just confess what took it away. What came into your life that caused you to drift? And get away from him. How many would say tonight, I want to know him. I, I, love, I love Philippians uh, chapter, chapter 2 and verse 10. And you would say with the Apostle Paul, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I just, I want to know him more than I ever have. Anybody like that? Amen. I know. Yeah. Maybe you just need to get alone with the Lord tonight and ask Him to remove whatever it is. Show you and remove whatever it is that is hindering that closeness. Yeah. People are praying. You come if the Lord is leading you tonight.